Hello, and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and this episode is the second half of our discussion about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. While we had a lot of fun recording this one, we do touch on a lot of very heavy subjects in regards to Buffy, such as addiction and substance abuse, sexual and emotional abuse, and suicide. We know that these subjects can be hard to listen to, so I totally understand if you need to skip this episode. Please take care of yourself. And if you are struggling, I've included some links and phone numbers in the show notes for resources that can support you. We love you, and we want you to stick around, so we'll be your Xander if you need us. Thank you so much to our patrons, and especially our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, and Caitlin Van Horn, all of whom I would want in my musical episode, and to our advanced producer, Michael Beck, who is as strong as Buffy and as brave as Xander. If you would like to join these incredible folks, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to all sorts of extras for as little as $1 a month. Last but not least, I'd like to ask you a favor. If you haven't already, please make a plan to vote. If you need help registering, checking registration, or requesting an absentee ballot, let us know, and we here at Pairing would love to help you with that. I don't think that I need to tell you how important this election is and how much is at stake, but we will if you want to hear it. Thank you so much in advance. Without further ado, here is episode 72, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, part two. But yeah, okay, so let's talk about season five. Because right, let's talk about season five. Because, you know, you talked about Don and your defense yeah. of Don. I will die on and that I'm, hill. Don is just fine. Michelle Trachtenberg does a great job. Fight me. I am coming around to that opinion. I am, I am also one of the people who watched season five and was just pissed off the first time I saw it. And I think that's sort of the point. It's meant to be jarring that suddenly Don is there and you just are meant to... At first, you're like, what? Am I just meant to accept that this person exists? And as it slowly becomes clearer and clearer what's going on, I I, I get more on board. I and, give it credit for being incredibly bold. Yes, it's definitely incredibly bold. And I think there's things that work about it and things that don't work about it. Um, Let's talk about that. Well, yeah, we can get into that. But I, I what I will say is I 100% agree with you that Michelle Trachtenberg does a great job with what she's given um, because uh, so many people hate Dawn because she's annoying and shrill and, you know, a little teenager. And, like, yes, that's exactly what she's yeah, supposed to I don't be. Know. I've had to look out for teenagers. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. have, but they're, yeah. they're like that. Yeah. I mean, it only works, the, the conceit of the key being in human form only works if Michelle Trachtenberg plays Dawn 100% like a bratty teenager. And you have to care you, about her and love her in spite of how yeah, annoying she is. Yeah. I just, I think that's brilliant. Yeah. Because um, anyone who's had a child or been child adjacent or whatever probably has to appreciate that. I, I would imagine so. Um, now, I'm curious because I remember when we first watched Buffy together the first time or just talked about it or whatever, um, I know you were not a fan of Glory. And and I would say I'm coming around a little bit more 
to your opinion. But again, I don't think it's Claire Kramer's fault, the actress who plays Glory. Certainly not. I think she does, again, a great job with what she's given. But at a certain point, the, the you know, all-powerful godlike character being like a narcissistic kind of pettish woman it gets old. Well, I think um, it's a, I think it's a waste of a cool premise. Yeah, right? I think so. I because think so. I I honestly think that again, I think the actor does a great job. Yeah, she does you exactly know? what she's supposed to and, do. And I I used to think it was like really overdone and all the stuff and what I actually think now is the actor didn't overdo anything. No. She was a little underwritten, and so she kind of made she made it sort of like a frustrated beauty pageant queen. Yeah, that's went, and that was a a proactive choice that she made that I really respect a lot. Yeah, uh, but I I, I agree. I think I, think... Was, I don't think she was supported enough by the writing. I agree. Um, I think that the writing of Glory is weak, and while it's a very interesting premise, it kind of ultimately is not that interesting because be, I I would say because of the writing. Well, and also most of her psychotic rants, I guess, mm-hmm. in, in season five, they're basically written as narcissistic rants about mm-hmm. like how this is all about me. Mm-hmm. But when she's actually allowed to interact with other characters, yeah. I think she does a really good job. No, I think so too. You know, I mean, and even when she's torturing the fact that she's like, I, I don't think you understand what it's like to be a god and yeah. trapped here. And and she she does cool stuff that way. And also, once she has the minions to play off... The minions are so fun. She does a lot better. Yeah. And I also, the writing starts to get a lot better. But, I also think that they overcome complicated it by introducing the like whole concept of Ben and having her trapped in you know like in his body oh see that I actually like because it gives us the Giles murdering part which is my favorite well if I mean if that's the only reason that we get Ben then it's a great reason but (laughs) oh but we also get to see him slowly corrupted and a normal person given to cowardice and given to selfishness that's pretty cool except my argument would be that it's not slowly it's just in that like second to last episode which is basically the glory Ben episode Mm. which I do love like both both those actors performances and the writing there is really strong i just think that the the overall conceit kind of overcomplicates the whole thing a little bit and what would you prefer then i don't know i'm I'm, it's not not a quiz i'm I'm just curious i don't know i i would prefer them to have written glory better and come up with a different reason for her to be trapped i i just see all sorts of like loopholes and and like Right. problems with that conceit. So well, let's talk about the Watcher Council for a second. Oh, yeah. We haven't talked about them. Because <laughs> uh, I hate them so much. Yeah. I mean, the one where you really get to hate them is, is the one in season three, where Helpless, I think, where they... That and the season five one where they do the performance review. Yeah. Yeah. But yes, uh, if, I, if I may, uh, Winston's, Winston's uh, take, hot take, is the Watcher's Council should pay Buffy <laughs> to be a vampire slayer. If they've got so much fucking money, why aren't they paying the woman saving the world? <laughs> Not only should they pay for everything Buffy needs, yeah. but 
they should protect her family ad infinitum. Yeah. It seems like they have limitless resources when it comes to being dicks. I know they get blown up summarily in the season seven, but... That's right. They do. But they seem to have incredible resources. Uh, like, they can field commando teams anywhere in the world at any given time, and they can't be like, all right, Slayer, you're the only thing that stands between humanity and apocalypse. $72,000, a very nice health yeah. <laughs> plan, and a golden pension for you and yours. Yep. And yep. you could just do that for every single Slayer, and it wouldn't matter because yeah. it wouldn't make a dent. If There's nobody who can make the United States bureaucracy work for them who doesn't have a billion, billion, billion dollars. Yeah. And, and that's... It just infuriates me. They're like, you should fight monsters yeah. and die, but also, yeah, your grades in high school will suffer. You can't go to college, right? And, right. You know, like it's just, it's just absurd. Yeah, no, I hate it's... the Watchers Council. It's just the stupidest conceit ever. If they're there for anything, it's there to make sure that you can do your job, and they actively work against it all the time. And I hate them. Yep. Yep. I can't. I can't argue with you. Can't argue with them. I just it, it's like, but that episode where she negotiates for Giles's salary. I'm like, girl, you do negotiate for yourself. You do. <laughs> Don't uh, you go to private school? Well, yeah. <laughs> California property taxes are high. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. So, so yes. Um. So my pairing for season five, and I I, I don't know if you're gonna like this or not. But it's Tempranillo. Yeah. Because, because it's a rich season. They're, they're being bold. A lot is going on. But it's at times a little overdone. and But also spicy. But also spicy. But similarly, Tempranillo can sometimes be overdone. Inherently, yeah. it is a... Um, a lot of people put a little too much oak on Tempranillo sometimes. All we need is yeah. that pepper. <laughs> Okay, so we just did a little podcasting time hop magic um, because I'm going to edit this in seamlessly, surely, um, into our conversation that we were just having. But some time has passed since then um, for a couple of reasons. One, we realized that we were getting to a point in our discussion where we would want to talk a bunch longer, and it um, it gets hot in here. <laughs> also, I was sucked and, into a hell dimension, yeah, and Emma had to perform a very complicated magic spell to bring me back. I wasn't gonna, which I I'm wasn't gonna for, brag, but yes, though I welcome. am now in constant pain, and now my eyes are just black all the time, so. You know, what are we'll we gonna, do our best. We'll do our best. But yes, so uh, so we want to finish finish talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and um, and so we were just talking about season five, and before we move on to season six, there are a few things about season five that I wanted to mention. The first one is I want to give um, I want to give some credit to objectively one of the best episodes of Buffy ever, but a really hard one to watch, which is The Body. Um, oh, yeah. It, it really is a brilliant, brilliant... Grief and grief processing. Oh, geez, and yeah. It's just... um, and so 
I don't have anything clever to say about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. So it's hard. it's brilliant. So hard. We I made us skip it this last this last rewatch because I couldn't handle it. I think everything like the pandemic and like being away from my family, I just couldn't handle watching watching that episode about Joyce dying. So I think that's totally I, fair. Yeah, and it's really important. I think for all of us to be kind of extra extra soft, extra sensitive on to ourselves. Our, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at this think. time, I, I think that's essential. Yeah, but I did, I did want to mention that because I, I mean, I think that is the. It's incredibly well done. Yeah, I think that's the standout episode of season five. You know, there's some, there's some other fun episodes in season five, but it's like, not like Hey Meet Dracula. Yes. Okay. I also wanted to talk about Dracula. <laughs> that's the only that's the only other one I can think of in season five that's like a kind of one off uh episode. And although the body kind of comes with the companion episode where Don tries to resurrect yeah, her and that is yeah. really creepy and very well, and, sad. And I mean all the stuff that happens in the Dracula comes back comes back as well, you know, like you know, Buffy getting getting bitten by Dracula is a constant source of tension between her and Riley. And I also wanted to talk about Riley quickly. Let's talk about Riley. Let's talk about Riley because a lot of people hate on Riley. And in this most, and definitely the first time I watched Buffy, I was like, ugh, he's so boring. Just like <laughs> a good American boy. Like, he's not a pederast at all. Yeah, well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when the bar is low. <laughs> but I think, you know, Riley's kind of the only sort of healthy relationship Buffy has. And it's Pretty not much. it's not entirely healthy, but at least he's like supportive and yeah. and like not raping her. <laughs> yeah. So so I just wanted to give a shout out to Riley Finn because I think he I think yeah. he's 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 more fun a uh, again, as you get older, and he I does think, a good job as yeah, an actor. Yeah, yeah. Mark Lucas. Mark does, Lucas. Wherever does you good, are, I hope. Yeah, I, I, I hope wish you, you the best. I man. hope you're doing something. But yeah, he's he's so funny in the dream episode. The oh where, yeah, when he's, he's at the end of season four, you mean? Yeah, when he's yeah. Uh, in the cowboy getup, and <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. But so. So yeah, so those were the things I wanted to mention about season five before we move on to season six. Do we want to say anything more about the Dracula episode except that it's just like a really fun way to like be self-referential or, or well, maybe, maybe I, not re- self-referential, but... Maybe I noticed this before or noted this before, but Dracula does come back in the season eight comics and it's a triumphant return. Yeah. <laughs> and super fun and funny and... They make Dracula like a three-dimensional character in it. Yeah. A little bit. And so that's cool. I, I mean, Xander's so funny. Also, some of the, the best Dracula. Nicholas Brandon you yeah, get. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just <laughs> so, so funny as the which, Renfield in the yeah. story. Which, by the way, um, in in our, in our uh, you know, you getting sucked into a hell dimension uh, hiatus since mm-hmm. last recording session. Which I'm going to say... It wasn't fun. Yeah, you know, uh, you were not in heaven, unlike, no. unlike Buffy. No, I um, was not. Definitely not. Yeah. But anyway, in that time while I was, you know, figuring out how to get you back, I also discovered um, that Nicholas Brendan is, is doing very well now, it seems. That is so nice I to know, hear. I know, I know. And he, so I guess he, he does a lot of painting and uh, and photography and and is kind of a mental health advocate now, and he um, 
he like he he goes on tour probably you know that's probably part of how he makes his money just capitalizing on you know buffy yeah. fans although he also stuff, has the syndication thing right totally totally after four seasons you're pretty you're, much yeah you're good you're getting a check yeah every month which is nice for the rest of your life oh man that's the dream but anyway it seems like he's doing well so i just wanted to i just wanted to put that out there that's wonderful um, and by the way if you're struggling there are resources yes. for you there are suicide prevention hotlines. There's also anonymous substance abuse hotlines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can always tweet at us if you are in need of resources, and I'll do everything I can. Yeah, to, and I'll try to link some to stuff in the in the in the show notes. Yeah. It, it um, is September. Really... I think this will still be released in September, and September is Suicide Prevention yeah. Month. So it's never too late, and there are so many people who have been are and will go through what you're going through so just 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 know that you're not alone mm-hmm. no matter how bad it seems like it's gotten so that's my public defender psa for the, for the and, episode i'm and gonna try on, to avoid that for the rest of rest of our time and on, on that happy uh, note. <laughs> on that happy note it seems like a good segue into talking about season six all right because let's get season into it. six it is i think grim it is super grim, and there's so much going on, and um, and I really, you know, respect what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think they, they're lot. trying to tackle addiction and toxic masculinity mm-hmm. at the same time. They are, and and, and toxic masculinity order. specifically within nerd, like nerd culture. culture. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good point. Yeah, which. Um, which obviously, I mean, I think sometimes maybe a little bit more of Joss Whedon came out in the trio than than maybe he even knew or intended. Who knows? But at you know, at least the show is tackling that because that is a huge part of of nerd culture. And that I think Buffy came yeah. out before Gamergate. Well, of course it did. Yeah, Gamergate but... didn't really become a thing until like 2013 or 2014. Was it that late? Yeah. Really? But it was it was specifically about trying to, you know, destroy this one uh, lady game programmer who right. had done a game called Depression Quest. But yeah, it was basically about that, and they were like, she slept with a guy in a gamer <gasps> magazine to get a good review of this game about mental health. And I just want to put out there that every adherent of Gamergate is a piece of shit. Yeah. You're all Nazi fucks. You're useless <laughs> fucking tools. You're idiots. And I will fight you. Anyway, enough of, uh, uh, you know, like you said, Moving you're on. done with your public defender. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not wrong, but... No, I mean, I'll defend you if the government attacks you, but in yeah. all other contexts, you're a scum and I will destroy you. Yeah. So, so yeah, so, but clearly, obviously, because quote-unquote nerd culture, I mean, I guess sort of coming along with the advent of technology has... Yeah been around since well it's probably been around in some shape or form forever but like since the 80s but also now that we can actually measure it and people are interested they're like oh wait 40 to 50 percent of gamers and sci-fi fans Mm -hmm. and all those people are women yeah non-binary people yeah i mean there's a reason that 
Star Trek has such a broad fan base totally. is because it presents an egalitarian utopia. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with a lot. I mean, Buffy is really helps a lot of queer people. Totally. It really helps them to come to terms with themselves. I know it certainly helped me. Yeah, and I think I think this season particularly, well, obviously you deal with the the very thinly veiled metaphor of addiction with Willow and magic. Yeah. It, um it's quite it's quite on the nose, but that's the point. But you um, know what? Addiction is not subtle. Yeah, no, it's not. And um and I actually I think the way they handle it is really uh, really good, and what and what we I were saying, so what we were saying while watching season six and then the beginning of season seven as well, is is that it's really beautiful. I mean, and there's that there's the episode in season seven where they can't see Willow and she can't see them because she's right. created that with her mind. Right. Um, but basically, you know, Buffy and Xander never abandon Willow. In, in the midst of her addiction, and that's so important, you know. So important. You know, to have to have friends who are supportive and... Um, Chosen family. Yeah. It, you, know. you know, she needs Tara to tell her that she's having a problem, or that she has a problem. Um, and, you know, again, also, it's not Tara's job to take care of her, especially because sure. Willow has, you know, with the memory spells and stuff like that like yeah, willow has super done some bad things yeah. super abused tara's trust and body and, that, and mind and everything part of the recovery is acknowledging the bad things you did i'm not a 12-stepper by any means yeah but it it is really important that if you have somebody who's suffering from the sickness of addiction in your life that you that you support them yeah you hold them accountable but you also support them and there are so many resources, and well, maybe we can link to them. Yeah, in the maybe show we notes, can link but, to some of those as well. But um, it's it's very important that people have hope because without hope, yeah, there, you can't do anything. You can't do anything, and if you feel alone, which so many people with addiction problems do, and and it can it can you know be the difference between life and death to to be there for for someone who's struggling quite quite and literally quite literally I'm, I'm sad to say that i have experienced yeah both positive and negative yes. uh, outcomes of that life or death scenario yeah and um anyway this uh, is a anyway just thought i'd lighten the mood <laughs> We're really, we're really, you know, I was like, hey, we're going to talk about Buffy. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> anyway, suicide Anyways, and drugs. suicide and drugs. But that's sort of what this season is dealing with. I mean, in a, in a way, um, it's dealing with personal struggle in, oh, yeah. in a way that... And toxic masculinity. And toxic at the same time. masculinity. Like I said, it's so ambitious. And also with Buffy and Spike, I mean, yes, there's a lot that's icky about about their relationship or about Spike's obsession with her. Yeah, but not okay. No, definitely not okay. But but it's also sort of, I mean, I know I've, I've said and I sort of still stand by, I wish they hadn't gone that direction with Buffy and Spike. However, once they decide to do it up until, you know, the rape, it is sort of an, you know, an interesting way of showing that, like, Buffy, like, of using sex in an unhealthy way, you know, but, but, you know, not, not in a, up until, again, up until the abuse, not in a, in an abusive way, but, you know, they've got this really toxic relationship, but Buffy is feeling, 
you know, it, it's sort of sort yeah. of dealing with depression as well, with Buffy having come back from heaven. And to her credit, she does break it off because she's like, it's not fair to you. Yeah, no, Buffy, Buffy is and, almost always, yeah. always she's, in she's the down. right. But um, And I, I do think as somebody who is a survivor, like just to me and speaking only mm-hmm. for me, I do think that the attempted rape part of, I guess it's red something. Seeing red, I believe. Seeing red is the episode. I think that it's handled pretty responsibly. Yeah, I think so. And Buffy actually gets an opportunity to speak, you know. She's not just put on a pedestal or, or, you know, made into a holy victim. It it very much shows the confrontation afterwards. And I think that's one of the more responsible depictions I've ever seen, even though it's still incredibly hard oh, to watch. Oh, it's really hard to watch. And and I know James Marsters really didn't oh, want to do it. Yeah, he, of course. He is the hardest thing. He's a he's, wonderful guy. He said, it, like, that was the hardest thing he's ever had to yeah. film ever, um, which probably for me, too, would be. Oh, but, my gosh, yeah. But, and um, you know they had to have a lot of trust to make that seem... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. ...seem organic, so... But, yeah, I... um Yeah, there. but there is something, too, about, you know kind of using, you know, unhealthy relationships. Um, maybe that's that's kind of the, more the what's going on with Buffy and Spike. Sure, yeah. Oh, God, you also get Hell's Bells in season six. Uh, yeah. Season six is it's, brutal. It's grim. It's, it's so grim. They brutal. give you the musical episode, I yeah, think, I know. because the rest of the season well, is they so give you, grim. They give you the musical episode and Tabula Rasa right one back-to-back. Because Tabula Rasa is really fun too. I mean, it has a darker ending. Yeah, when they but, all forget. Yeah, stuff, but yeah. but it's fun, you know, the whole yeah. the whole time. So you get those two episodes, and then oh yeah, and there's the one where Dawn almost hooks up with a vampire, or she does kind of hook up with a vampire. That one's kind of fun too. But um, I remember that one. Maybe you didn't watch that one. That one's Halloween, the Halloween episode of of season six. Hmm. Uh, maybe I watched it without you. I watched some stuff without you. Fair. Sometimes Winston goes to sleep before me. My life can be easily demarcated (laughs) into the periods of time I thought 9 p.m. was an early time (laughs) and the periods of time when I thought 9 p.m. was very late. Yeah. And I'm very much in the latter half right now. People are like, hey man, or at least before the plague, they'd be like, my band's playing at 8.30. Yeah. That's half an hour before bedtime. Yeah, I I can't do it. Can't do it, bro. But yes, um, let's see. What else? I had, okay, so I had a wine pairing for season six. I think we've. You better. I know, I know. That's the point of the podcast. Okay, so here's what I wrote. I wrote, all over the place, but some important themes and some really good episodes. Chardonnay, varying levels of quality and style. I like Chardonnay for season six, actually, because there is a lot of up and down in it, both in, I would say, like, cohesiveness and quality of writing and but then there's like some truly truly magnificent episodes there's some really important themes and and so I think Chardonnay is a good a good pairing for season six because and you're you're welcome to counter but um but because there's like really really great Chardonnay which is like you know the musical episode is like the Grand Cru Burgundy Chardonnay but then you've got you know you've got like the cougar juice of some of the, and it's not that I don't I don't dislike any part of season six particularly, but it can be hard to watch sometimes. It's it's kind of the and it's banality a little all over of the place. evil season. Yeah, 
Yeah, which you know? is good. You know, like it, you can do truly evil things just by being a resentful, sexist jerk, yep. or just by being a closeted dude who can't deal with his closetedness, right, right? Or just by being somebody who felt like they never got their fair share, or whatever. Yeah. So I think the the three are useful in that way. Yeah. The only counter I would suggest is maybe um, like a riesling or something, because it can. It can be kind of sickly sweet in parts, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it can also, I mean, it'll definitely get the job done if you're out to, you know, undermine your yeah. sobriety or whatever. Well, I, okay, I, if I, if I, if I can carry that, that one through a little bit more, rather than sickly sweet, I mean, some, sometimes Rieslings, you know, the sweet Rieslings, as long as they're like good Rieslings, you know, they, at first you taste them and you're like, ooh, this is like sugary and delightful and sweet and then it, bam there's the acidity and I feel like that's like that's like um you know when Tara comes back at the very end and then is shot like that moment of her getting shot is like that whoa it is and it is one of the more alarming it really is and and I do think I do think television. I do think that Buffy handles you know gun violence and it's it's um attendant consequences yeah i think it i think it does handle it well um i mean buffy's always saying these things never useful um but also it's so cruel and this is obviously on purpose at least by the time they figured out what was going to happen but amber benson who plays terror tara is not in the main credit sequence Until except for the, the one episode, episode she where she dies disgusting yep. it's so mean and i know they did that on purpose well it's so mean first of all because she should have been in the credits pretty Way much that before. whole time at yeah. least starting in season five if not before that um two and a half seasons of the show yeah and she i mean and and for the for the time that she's there like she has at least as big a part as anya yeah. who is in the credits so maybe not technically as many lines or something i don't know but Anyway, that scene, that that is weird to me. But then obviously they they put her in in that last minute because they wanted to fake you out and be like, oh yeah, she's gonna be in it forever now. Yeah. And it's like, Which is yeah. cheap. And it's shitty. mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like we could say a lot more about season six, but maybe let's move on to season seven a little bit, All right. and then and then if we want to come back, because I have some more overarching things that I wanted to talk about, Great. too. Yeah, yeah. You, so, you, you lead, I follow. Okay. So, season fifth. Season seven. Season fifth. <laughs> which we have now finished in, in, the, in the hell dimension time warp place where we were. We managed to finish season seven of Buffy. It was amazing. Um, I popped out in Granada. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But we had accumulated enough points that I was able to get yeah. a one-way ticket back to Santa Fe. Yeah. And I was first class the whole time. It was so weird. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, you had to wear from, a mask the whole time. I did, and, yeah, yes. Yeah. And aside from the fact that my eyes have been replaced by glowing blue fire. Yeah, I yeah. I feel exactly it's the same. It's weird. I'm going to get used to it, but it's uh, yeah. it's it's When it's I close, unusual. it's only violet. Yeah, So that's yeah. kind of nice. Like yeah, it's kind of calm. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but... So, so season seven is in some ways even more all over the place than season six. I mean, it's sort of, it's sort of characteristic of a final season. Though I find it strong. I think it's actually I a pretty think... strong season. It really is like six and seven, they're a little scatological, but I think they both 
deal with hard things. They, and they do. They deal with them fast and hard. And I think critiques seasons... can definitely be made. But Yes, and if I could... What I will say is I enjoyed season seven and some episodes in season seven more than I remembered. Because I've definitely seen season seven the least. Uh, I think this was maybe my... I think it was my third full watch through, but maybe only my second full watch through. Maybe maybe I've only seen... No, it's got to be three. I've seen the rest so much. Um, <laughs> but so there's a lot that I just didn't remember that happened. and And I do think that it's a lot stronger than I remembered it being. But it falls victim to, I think, shoving too much into one season because they knew this was the end and there yeah, was a lot I mean, that they wanted to fit in. It probably should have been too. It probably should have been too. But and Buffy season eight comics are a lot of fun. Yes, as I've said before. Yes, but, um, but you know, I I definitely prefer it when a show goes out while it's still good, mm-hmm. then goes on a little too long. And what what I would say is like. I mean, okay, so we get the first evil. That's the big antagonist in in this um, in this season. I get a little weary of Spike being crazy in the basement. Yeah, that's that's you know o- he overacted he, mental illness is not, not overacted, good. overwritten. You know yeah. all all of that. So that that gets old for me. I think that goes on to it's like it's like the first half of <laughs> of the season, like. The first part of that spike is crazy and just, like, muttering and singing to himself right. and um, and killing people. And then the second half, he's um, he's being tortured by the first. Yeah. It's a lot of torture. So it's... it's a lot of him with no shirt. And that's he's true. very sexy. Yes. His, no, I'm not complaining about the no shirt. But, Although um, Drusilla works kind of as an yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy character. I love Drusilla. In the Drusilla. way that he doesn't. She, I think she just she's sells written, it a little bit more. She sells it better and she's written better. The yeah. way that Drusilla's kind of madness is written, I think, is like really poetic. And it, it is over the top as well sometimes, Though especially she's as she like, comes back. She's supposed to have sort of psychic powers, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, she does. And I love her in season two. When she comes back later on, I feel like they don't have the same magic uh, that they had with her in season two sometimes. Juliet Lando Oh, she's great. She's she's so great. And it's fun to see her back in this season too because she plays the first for like an episode. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The conversations with dead people I think is one of the best episodes. She's not in that episode, but but conversations with dead people is... adjacent to that. ...is phenomenal. And... um, And and, horrifying. Yes. It's finally... The... The the conversation that Willow has with the girl who died in, like, the third episode, which I heard, apparently, that was originally supposed to be Tara, but Amber Benson said no because she didn't—she thought it would be kind of cruel and, and, and maybe a little, like, tr- too traumatic to, like, have Tara tell Willow to kill herself. Yeah, that's um, also— Which I think is— I mean, Fair. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a deeply horrifying thing, but it's yeah. also, I mean, you're playing with fire when you're, you're doing a show that's for young adults, I guess, mm-hmm. and you're having a character that's trying to talk people into suicide, and I, I would hope that Joss Whedon and everybody else involved would 
take that responsibility very seriously. And I think they do note at the beginning and the end of the episode the suicide hotline help and all that stuff. But, I mean, I I think they handle it responsibly, but that's dangerous material. Oh, it's absolutely dangerous material. You need Um, to provide a lot of support and counterbalance for it. And that's definitely something that's happened more and more since... Buffy, you know, whenever there's kind of episode yeah. episodes of television with abuse and... Well, I and... think the third episode, uh, or not the third episode, but the episode in the third season where the one is trying to get Angel to yeah, kill himself. Yeah, That one, they're really responsible about. Yeah. And they provide a lot of character support in the show and yeah. also links to support... I'm uh, sure, top, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they did with, with this as well. Just, you know, it's just um, always something to be aware of. It's like, for sure. It's not something to tread lightly about. It's, um... For sure. But on a lighter note, the, <laughs> the you're really, really, so grim lo- right you're really now. in a low place right now. Well, I just, I don't um, know. It's, it's been a day. Yeah. But, but the conversation that Buffy has with, um... With, oh my God, the actor, I think his name is Jonathan Woodward, Jonathan M. Woodward, and he's one of Joss Whedon's hat tricks, so he's in Buffy, Angel, and Firefly. Hmm. Um, oh, is he the, like, he's, the weird he, cop guy or whatever? No, he's, um, I mean, in Firefly? Yeah. No, he's the one who who pretends to be dead, and, and he has Mal and Zoe take his body Oh and yeah, that's a oh, really. And he's the vampire in conversation with dead people. Yeah, he's right? the vampire with yeah. yeah he's he, who's great. a who was a psych major, and and then he's a scientist in in the last season of Angel. Um, he's delightful. He's he's so fun, and the and just like Buffy getting therapy from a vampire <laughs> is is hysterical. I feel great actually. Yeah. <laughs> Super evil. Yeah. <laughs> You've got an inferiority complex about your superiority complex. Makes perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Really, really want to kill you. No, it's... But not in a mean way. Yeah, no, it's very, it's very funny and just really, really some good, really good writing. So yeah, so that's a, a, a really good one. Um, other than, oh yeah, and there's the Andrew kind of, um, masterpiece theater story time episode, which is... You know, it's it's fun, but conversations with dead people is also the one where Andrew kills Jonathan, mm-hmm. um, which is devastating. I love Danny Strong. Oh, I love no. he's such a great part of the of the of the show. The most excellent of hobbits. He is. He is indeed. But but my 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 biggest criticism, and this is sort of the same criticism I have of Angel, is it's so much is introduced in the last two episodes of of Buffy. Like there's this whole concept of they Only call it all the slayers. Well or... well well but there's this whole concept of the scythe um having all this power. Um it's not a scythe by the way. No, it's a fucking axe it's with an a axe. stake on the yeah. end of it. A scythe is what you use to chop wheat. Yes. Um but but so there's the scythe, and then there's this whole cut. Like she has this weird conversation with the guardian, the last of the guardians, who's the woman who watches the watchers, you know. And and then she dies immediately because Caleb kills her, and oh, that's and right, yeah. and it's like a lot is a lot that's yeah. new 
is introduced in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. Can we get can we get more about those guardians? But What's I think that they about? do that in season four and five as well, where at the last minute they're like, Oh yeah, the first slayer spirit, and then we never hear about that again. Yeah. I know. It, it, as we <laughs> as we've mentioned every time, it's like <laughs> You know, hey, that uh, that uh, primal spell yeah. that you guys did back in season four against, you know, yeah. Frankenstein, that would probably be useful yeah. against glory, yeah. you know, evil, out of control, willow. Wait a minute, you can sit in like, a circle uh, and burn some sage yeah. and give her the power to turn bullets into pigeons? Yeah. Maybe um, you should do that yeah. when you face apocalyptic people. Right. And they, I mean, the point is, you know, the point of the restless episode is that, you know, there's a cost to the, yeah, of to course. the spell. Yeah. There's a cost but to all magic like, or it's it not cool. It seems like, you know, they could have used it again. But so anyway, and then I um, I do like the what are they called the like pure vampires? Oh, they're they're, t- they're t- t- Tarakan. They're scary. Yeah, they're, they are totally. They and, look like Nosferatu, which is a yes, nice. Yes, it is a, a nice, nice detail. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. And 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 the and the ending with Spike. You know, as we've said, you know, it's a great mm. it's a great line that he gets. You know, when she yeah. says, "I love you," and he says. No, you don't. But thanks for saying it. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's and great. then I want to see how it ends, and he turns yeah. into the holy nuclear. It would bomb be devastating if we didn't know that he comes back an angel. But that's fine. I mean, it's still um, devastating. It is. Of, it is. I, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It it's really a is. Beautiful very, moment and very pretty. I think the last few episodes of season seven are its strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I sympathize with the idea of most of the season being about trying to organize an army out yeah. of co-eds. Like, that's a funny premise. It ends up not being very funny. It ends up mostly being... Yeah, no, it ends up being pretty... Pretty grim. and Definitely. And it should be, honestly, the idea that so many of our young people just, you know, get yeah. fed into a war machine. Anyway... So many puppies. You are really, you're really, we got to, we got to bring this around. We got to bring this around. I've just been talking um, to people in jail all day, I know, man. I know, that, I know. That will bum you right now. It up. will, it will. Um, also, we get Robin <laughs> Wood. Um, he is so hot. He's super Let's hot. Let's talk about how hot this young yeah. man is. Well, he's super hot and I do really like, I had totally forgotten that he and Faith kind of end up being together or having a thing but i think that's beautiful because they've both you know yeah, they're trauma survivors yeah and but they, and, and i do love faith in this humor. season and kind of the completion of her arc and yeah. story eliza and dushku of, does not get the credit Eli- she deserves eliza dushku eliza dushku that is her name <laughs> yes correct? you said eliza dushku eliza dushku does a great job i think she does in all her appearances yeah like her character is written Larger than life, but I think yeah. she she does a good job of making that character believable. And and in this in this season is finally able to come back into the character yeah. with like a little bit of like centeredness. I think yeah. it's a beautiful redemption arc. It is. And speaking of redemption arc, I mean, I I do think a lot of Spike's story and in, in this season especially is is about redemption and is about you know forgiveness and and um, and the fact that. People with souls can be redeemed. Yeah. Not that I believe in souls, but, I mean, it's really important. A redemption is a huge part of our society because you can do horrible things and still not be a monster. Yeah. 
Or you can be a monster and mostly do nice things, but every once in a while you're a monster. You know, it's like you can be Count Rugen mm-hmm. or you can be Inigo Montoya. Inigo Montoya has probably made a lot of mistakes, killed a lot of people yeah, who didn't need to be killed. True. And he's still our hero, right? Yeah. On the other hand, Count Rugen is just kind of torturing people and murdering all the time. He's yeah. very refined and on top of his shit. Yeah, yeah. But... I'm just trying to make this as depressing like, as possible. It's working. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, okay, so my wine pairing for season seven, I think, and I, I wrote this before rewatching all of it, um, but I think this still checks out. Um, but I said Cabernet Sauvignon, and I think that I think that checks out because truly great Cabernet Sauvignon, I mean, it's it's epic. You know, like like the lark meat that we get from Napa oh, sometimes. Dang. That yeah. that stuff is so good. And in some of the moments of season seven, they're really, really beautiful, um, and really powerful and meaningful. And um, and I think that's that's the the really good cab moments. But then but then there's also like like I was saying you know, there's there's a lot of Spike being crazy, Spike being tortured. There's also a lot of Buffy being inspirational, which they do point. They make, even make fun they of make that fun of that in the season. They do, yeah. and um, and and you know, it is it it all it is sort of gets. Oh yeah, that's the other thing I hate is when Buffy's like, I've got this plan to go do this thing, and they're all like, Well, we don't want to do that, so you have to leave. It's like what <laughs> you can't kick Buffy out. <laughs> That doesn't, and like Don and Willow and Xander are all like, yeah, we're cool with this. I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't really fly. It's it's so, it's so that, you know, Buffy and Spike can have this moment. Right. Which is, which is nice and all, but anyway. Yeah, you're not firing the the slayer for That's one of the weakest plot points ever to me in in Buffy. That, that one really, really grates me. It's like, maybe you're not in charge, but we... Definitely need you. Yeah, exactly. Like, what maybe the fuck you, is wrong with you? Maybe you give me second yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway, college students anyway. Oh, yeah. are and, often And dumb. Giles would let her get kicked. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. We're, anyway, yeah. so we just had another another fun incident. We just got ripped into another weird dimension. I don't think it was a hell dimension, but it was like one of those shrimp dimensions. It was one of those dimensions and, where you can't pick anything up yeah. in your high school <laughs> dreams. Like you're trying to pick up a pencil yeah. and you just can't grab anything. I actually think this is the first time we spilled a glass of wine in a recording of pairing. And I want to put on record that it was not me. No, it wasn't. The, we, the we music had, stand that yeah. we're using collapsed. And, yeah, and, and, and it, it tipped over and it and it knocked over my iPad and the iPad um, knocked over Winston's glass of I wine. am marginally not responsible for this. <laughs> I mean, in the sense that, I mean, if anybody's responsible, it's me because I, I set up the thing the way I set it up. You're very marginally responsible in that you had a glass of wine in that, that is true. particular spot. I did spot. make that decision. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. You know, you got to take every, responsibility. Every, every decision has consequences. It's true. It's absolutely so, true. So anyway. Okay. So that's probably the sign that we should kind of wrap this up. So so yes. I think Cabernet Sauvignon is a good one for Buffy because there's there's a lot of great cab and there's a lot of poor cab. <laughs> and um, So what, what 
what separates that in your opinion in terms of like the flavor profile or the way it's produced what what makes a bad cab and what makes a good cab well it's hard it's hard to say exactly um i mean cab is one of those grapes that we're talking about red cabernet sauvignon yeah cabernet right? sauvignon yes it's one of those grapes that if if a really good winemaker knows how to make it it can be like transcendent and if one doesn't it can be you know kind of nothing uh or nothing special mm. to i mean it's the same it's the same as most most wines um you know you can sort of detect the signs of cheap winemaking like if it's really really oaky that means that the grapes probably weren't very good or you know they picked them you know they were it's a too young, really. It should age longer, but they want to trick you into thinking it has complexity, and so they just put a shit ton of oak on it. And so, if you get just like tons of vanilla and spice um, from a like big dark red wine, it usually means it's you know sometimes it's purposeful, but but over oaked, similar to Chardonnay. But but knowing how winemaking works um, and how to use oak properly, like the right amount of oak with Cabernet Sauvignon is terrific. I'm not saying I want like an unoaked Cabernet Sauvignon. I don't think I've ever had one. Maybe I have, but it's traditionally not aged in anything but oak. Um, Cab can also have a really kind of green pyrazine note to it. Pyrazine? Um, What? So like green pepper kind of. gross. Yeah, I know. So... That is not... Not to be confused with green chili, which is God's plant. Yes, though um, there is such a thing as green chili wine, and I never want to try it. Absolutely. You may not ruin both wine and green chili for me at the same time. Um, But yes, so it's hard to say exactly. It's one of those kind of like, you know it. You just have to kind of taste a lot of it, and then you'll be able to tell kind of the... And I'm not saying it's all bad. I'm just saying you can tell kind of the, the more cheaply made cab from the more expensive cab, or the the better made cab. It doesn't necessarily have to correlate to price. Is there any particular um, profile that helps you tell the difference in taste? I mean, I mean that oak oak thing. So if it's um, really and oaky. If it's really oaky, just like pure vanilla on there... That's a good that indication. That is a good that indication you're, that you're you don't have the best cat. Yep, and um and and also that I mean it's not necessarily a sign that it's bad, but if you get it like really strong, that green pepper note, I don't mind it as much as some people do, but some people hate it. And Chilean Cabernet. Well, if I got that really strong green pepper note, yeah, I would you wouldn't like vomit. it. Vomit. Yeah. Um. <laughs> disgusting. But bell peppers are disgusting. Win- don't use we them in your Winston, food. we don't have time for the bell pepper rant. <laughs> it is a three-hour rant. We're thinking positive thoughts. Here's the overture. No! <laughs> okay. Winston doesn't like bell peppers. Winston feels roughly equivalent, equivalently about bell peppers as he does about the Watcher's Council. So there you go. The fucking Watcher's um, <laughs> Council. So fucking useless. I know, I know. Let's talk about that. No, we already did. We already let's did. Let's talk that's... about them more. No, let's not. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's that's roughly um, how you can tell. But again, it's more, it's it's sort of a practice. Um, and again, if you like it, that's, that's all that matters. Because um, like I've had some quote unquote like cheap 
pretty, you know, mm. you know, poorly made cab that I've thought was just fine. Yeah, I so, know people who eat bell, green bell peppers like they're apples. I mean, they're all yeah. degenerate morons. But okay, let's get I do off of the them. let's get off of the green peppers. Okay, <laughs> they are so, so gross. So anyway, okay, so that's uh, that's season seven. <laughs> But, okay, so as you may recall, last ap- last episode, you got to give your top five episodes of Buffy. And now we need yours. And now we need mine. So um, I've got four for sure, and then I've got a couple a couple options for the fifth. Let's talk about that. But so I, I want to give, you know, honorable mention to Buffy versus Dracula, because that's, that's a really fun one. Super fun. Um, the body, you know... A, transcendent episode i wouldn't necessarily call it one of my favorites just because it's hard to watch yeah it's not a feel good yeah it's not a feel good brilliant um as we talked about last time restless which is the dream episode i really do like that one um a new man which is the only one of the ethan rain episodes that we haven't talked about that's the one where he turns giles into a demon oh that is a really it's a really really fun one that's a sleeper great episode Um, as, and, and then as you mentioned, um, last time, The Wish in season three is a great one. Okay. Bored but then. Bored now. So, okay. So I'm going to give my, my kind of runners up first. Um, so as we were just talking about it, and it could be because this is fresh in my mind, but Conversations with Dead People is definitely up there. So good. So horrifying. So horrifying. Um, Tabula Rasa in, uh, in season six is really fun until, you know, it's kind of devastating. And, um, Doppelgangland in season three, which is the one where, uh, Willow's vampire self comes into their, their dimension. And I love, I love vampire Willow. Four Um, has some of the more excellent No, that's season three. I'm sorry. Season three. Mm -hmm. Sorry. The, yeah. They both have really good one-off they do. episodes. Letting yes. Allison Hannigan have fun seems to always be a good always idea. Always be a good idea. Okay. But then, obviously, in my official top five, obviously, Hush and the musical episode. Yeah. I mean, those are givens. Those are givens. Um, one, we didn't, one we didn't talk about at all, but is definitely up there for me, Superstar. Um, which is oh, is that the, the Jonathan, Jonathan episode? episode. Yes! I love that it's one. It's really good. It's really good. It's really good. And then I think this it is maybe not my favorite officially, but it's really up there for me. Ooh, another one that's kind of a little bit more serious, um, but that I really love is Lie to Me in season two, which is the one where her friend who has brain cancer comes back. Oh, and yeah, wants... and he wants to be a vampire. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, a, that's a tough one, but that's a really good one. Especially when but... they, like, they stake him at the end. And it's like... I know, it's so tough. But um, it's, it's just a bummer. It's a huge bummer. But one that is not a huge bummer and is possibly my favorite episode of Buffy, um, and I know people will disagree with me on this, but the Zeppo in season three. The Zeppo is so fucking <laughs> it is, good. It okay, is. Okay, it is my. It's it, ridiculous. If it's not my favorite is. episode, it's up there for me because it is brilliant on so many different levels. One, I love any Xander hijinks episodes, if Absolutely. only for the music theme that he gets. Um, right. It's delightful. It's fabulous. Anytime Xander gets What's to like. What's the music theme? Hum it right now. I, I can't. It's But it's like the. 
it's I'll take it's it. yeah um i can't i can't hum it All but right. but it's like Moving along. it's fun so so there's that but then just like the backdrop of everything that xander's Moving having along. to deal with is is like another apocalypse and then there's a, like there's like buffy and Angel being all dramatic, yeah, 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 <laughs> and and meanwhile Xander's like saving them all from being blown up by a bunch of zombies. <laughs> and I do think it highlights one of the coolest things about Xander as a character is that he is in many ways the bravest yeah. character. He has no power. He has no nothing. He just has like heart. Yeah, he's heart. Yeah, he's, he's heart. He's heart in the planeteers. Yep. And that's what he has. And um and speaking and he's of brave, Xander, too. He is and really courageous. brave. And I just cannot tell you how happy I am that Nicholas to hear Brendan that he's is like painting and and chilling. Um and if we're talking about Xander and like Nicholas Brendan, we obviously have to mention the yellow crayon speech at oh, the end of yeah. which is the most iconic, obviously, I mean, of that Xander's is, that moments. Has most definitely saved lives. Absolutely. I, I don't think that's an absurd thing to say. Yeah. I think that that kind of unconditional love saved lives. Absolutely. And I think that it's moments like that. Um, and, and episodes like the Zeppo that are just like really like the heart of Buffy, um, and, and Xander and Nicholas, Nicholas Brendan are just delightful. We can't be with you for the apocalyptic stuff if we don't love you. Exactly. In the the original and that's, or in the other episodes, you know, maybe they have lower stakes, maybe they don't, but. I did want to, since we're talking about Xander, I don't think I came up with a wine pairing for him, um, but real quick, oh yeah, I did. I um, I gave him Grenache or Grenache. Oh, okay. because Why? because I feel like that's a sort of underrated grape that you forget about sometimes. It's also often considered like quote unquote feminine or like a lighter red grape, and it's often used in blends. Hmm. But it also can be um, made with a hundred percent itself, and it's awesome. I can see him as a bubbly, like either as a as a cava or champagne or prosecco, just because like yeah, that'll that'll do it to you. But it's also kind of effervescent. It's light. It's airy. It's light as airy until it's not. He he could be a lambrusco. Fair enough. So then Willow. I think, you know, going along with this theme because Grenache is one of the main three grapes of. Uh, the Rhone Valley. I feel like uh, Willow could be a, a. Actually, Syrah is kind of a good grape for Willow. At least you know later seasons Willow. You know they're also they're all they all change so much. Or or even just a whiskey just for the fire. Yeah, yeah. Actually, know? she yeah she's definitely a whiskey. Because I feel like she's in the fens in Scotland. You know. She does have red hair. Um, <laughs> that could so that could work. Um, but then, okay, so there's two last characters that I wanted to talk about a little bit more than we've talked about Please. so far. And the uh, the first one is Anya, because one thing we were talking about in this most recent rewatch that you, you were saying and hadn't occurred to me, and I don't know if this is purposeful or not, but the way they write Anya is kind of like a person on the spectrum. At, at least... In my experience, which is not we could clinical, be totally wrong, which, and yeah, and I I'm please not, I'm correct sorry. us if that's not the case. I definitely don't mean to insult but you, anybody. But you mentioned that, and I was like, oh yeah, this kind of that's kind of you know, it's it's 
you know, it's a little, again, over the top. And, like, because she's a demon becoming part of society, that's sort of the conceit. But she's but, frank and direct. And... Yeah, and, and, like, often... You know, people. It takes it takes everybody except Xander a while to be comfortable around her. They don't know how to talk to her. Um, yeah. and she doesn't necessarily understand every social cue, even no. though she's a good-hearted person. Yes. Um, also, one of my favorite moments in the whole show is when the Buffy bot goes, "How is your money?" And Anya says. It's good. Thank you. (laughs) Whereas one of my favorite moments in the show is when they do the, like, Anya retrospective Oh, yeah, that's a great one. And she's in uh, Moscow in, like, 1917. Mm -hmm. She's like, well, obviously the revolution of the workers is going to sweep away the bourgeoisie and destroy (laughs) capitalism and usher in a worker's paradise. So I really don't see what the problem is. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, she's great. And so the wine pairing I did come up with for her is um, Cabernet Franc. Because mm. Cabernet Franc is a is a wine that sort of like Anya is a little inscrutable sometimes. It's hard to it's hard to always connect to it because it can be really weird. But there's also really, you know, I mean, I like the weird ones too, but there's also some that are a little bit more straightforward and and very, very delicious. And I think I think that's a good one for Anya. I wanna talk about that time in Fraser when he says why go low when you can call a cab? cab. <laughs> Though he's talking about Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. And what is the difference between Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc? They are two different grapes. Um, and Cabernet Sauvignon... Why are they both called Cabernet then? I don't 100% know, actually. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, I, I don't know what Cabernet means, but it's kind of like, you know, Pinot Noir and Pinot Grigio. And, you know, there's... Aren't those from the same grape? Just nope. at different stages? No? No, 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 no. Pinot Noir is a red grape and Pinot Grigio is a white grape. They're... I did not realize oh, they yeah, were they're two different two, grapes. Yeah, they're to- two totally different grapes. Well, you're yeah. going to have to just fix your naming system one. <laughs> yeah, why? why confusing. Why, it's like Montepulciano in Italy. Montepulciano is a grape. Montepulciano is also a region. They do not coincide. <laughs> so, hmm. um, yes. Uh, so then speaking of Italy, the last person I wanted to talk about, because we haven't talked about him much, is Giles. Giles. Uh, Giles is such a wonderful character. Oh my God, and he's so sexy. He is that, at, it's you know, ridiculous. as well. ridiculous. Yeah. But for Giles, I, uh, I think I have to give him Barolo or something like that, because he's, you know, he's, he's got that finesse and yeah. he's got that... Power to him he's, as well. He's and, got a first, middle, and an aftertaste. He's absolutely, just, he's a complicated gentleman. He is. is. And speaking of uh, plot holes that we didn't like, the when he leaves in season six, that doesn't make any no sense. reason for that. It's like Anthony absolutely Stewart not. had got a gig doing something. Especially else. <laughs> if your whole deal is about like you feel like a a bad father figure. That's when you stick around. That's right. not when you fuck right, right off. Right. It does not make sense. No, it doesn't absolutely make sense at all. not. Although I'm sure that Anthony Stewart had probably had other opportunities. I hope so. And I wished him the best. And I still do. Uh, King Uther. Like, I don't think that was until after dude. Buffy was done. But no, I'm sure. But, I just, I, um, just, I just think he's he's dope. Also, Giles is uh, very prominent in season eight. Not till about the middle, 
in the comics, but those comics are really well drawn we gotta, and really we gotta. well written and worth. Also, you can get on iTunes the like uh, animated comic. I don't know what you call them, like a photo roman. Of yeah, the comics with voiceover and they're cheap and yeah. it's worth it's worth buying. They're yeah. really good. Um. So then. Last but not least, I don't think I've done a pairing for Buffy herself. I think it's time. I think it's time. And I don't have anything prepared. Um, I don't know. Because I already gave I already gave uh, Sangiovese to Spike. Oh, I was going to say, it's blood. It's always blood. I think, I think blood. I mean, I, I think blood. <laughs> I think Sangiovese can work for her, too. Um, but, like, Spike is more of a Chianti, and she's more of a Brunello de Montalcino. Now explain to me the difference between those two things. Chianti, uh, so they're two slightly different, from two different places in Tuscany. Chianti tends to be a little bit lighter, a little bit higher in acidity, um, a little more prominent kind of herbal notes to it. And Brunello is much richer. It's a much richer example of Sangiovese. Fruitier, I guess? Yeah, maybe a little bit, um, maybe a little bit, but just more full-bodied. And What is um, full-bodied as opposed to... To like fruity or you know, Flu- like what full- does fru- full body mean to you? Full bodied is about it's it's about texture. It's about mouthfeel, literally. Mm. Like some wines are thinner than others, and um, in terms of like being thick with sugar and tannins on the yeah, tongue. Yeah, yeah, but it's a perception. It's a it's a perception in your mouth. Some are like compare the difference between a, a you know this bright light Albarino we're drinking to an oaky Chardonnay. Those are two very different textures, um, even if they're technically, you know, both the same liquid, you know, it's, right. but it's it's a different mouthfeel. So the different difference... viscosity, mm-hmm, different mm-hmm. flavor profile. Yeah, viscosity is maybe the best way to describe it. Um, so that's... But I mean, none of it tastes like syrup, right? I mean, we're talking no. about generally pretty small variations in yes, viscosity, yes. but... Um, but but so Brunellos tend to be a little bit more full body than Chiantis, and they have darker fruit to them. I'm not sure I would say it's fruitier, but while Chianti is usually traditionally more like very like red fruit driven, like bright uh, tart cherry, cranberry almost sometimes. Very Chiantis can be really really tart. A little raspberry um, even. Maybe a little raspberry. Maybe, maybe a little maybe raspberry. Too I don't. I don't, I don't know. Um, but then, but then Brunellos have a little bit more um, kind of darker fruit. Like it's a little bit. I mean, they can they can have some of the same fruit characteristics, but then they have a little bit. But it's more blackberry than. Yeah, it's a little bit maybe. closer to that. I would say okay. so. Um, so yeah, so that's so that's what we got. Well, hey, you learn something yeah, new every day. There you go. There you go. Uh, you can refer back to our Kill Bill and Sangiovese episode to learn about uh, the difference between uh, Sangiovese. Would you like to know more? Yeah. <laughs> but yes, so I think I think that's what we got. I think I think we should pause here and um, maybe come back to Buffy at another time, unless there's anything else you would like to say. That is not depressing. <laughs> I'm going to try. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, what I think is really cool about Buffy, and I think this was, you know, made really clear by the people who won the Did Buffy Change Your Life contest for the season eight oh, yeah. episode, The Chain. It's worth reading the letter from the editor about that. 
Uh, I'll let you draw your own conclusions, but it does seem like Buffy gave queer and just generally not fitting in people a really good way to feel like they were part of society and mm. part part of the struggle in a good way. And I think that no matter what has happened since with Joss Whedon and yeah. whoever else, it, it, it stands as a, it's a still kind of a, cultural monument it and, is. and something that was ahead of its time and that it really made life better for a yeah. lot of people who were hurting and who felt isolated and who might not feel as isolated now. I think so. And and I do think, you know, just the fandom of Buffy, too, brings people together. And it's a generous and a welcoming fandom. It's not a bullshit gatekeeper fandom. It's at like least a, I hope so. At least yeah. as far as I know, yeah. it's 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 made up of people, even the actors, you know, doing the conventions. They don't seem resentful. They seem like they're, like, happy to be there and happy to meet people. Yeah. It, it, I think it was just a... A wonderful and unique yeah. piece of entertainment that catered to people who didn't necessarily fit in. And I yeah. think it did a good job of being like, hey, you're normal and you're cool and you're fine. Yeah. And I also just want to reiterate that there are resources for you, no matter what you feel like or where you are. Because you are cool. The fact that you've dealt with what you have dealt with makes you superhuman. Yeah. And even superhumans need support sometimes. Um, the one, the one kind of, kind of last little thing I did want to mention while you were talking about this that I that I is not such a good thing but I did want to put it out there is that the if I had one criticism of Buffy and I have many but if I had one big one yeah, um, not there's not there's not a lot of diversity in the in the show no and there's and, a, a and uh, there's quite a lot of fat shaming through oh, oh, parts yeah. of it oh yeah that's and that's not acceptable I mean that's sort of Unfortunately, par for the course with most shows coming out around that time. Yeah, um, common but, but not acceptable. No, it doesn't make it acceptable. But definitely, it's a very white show until for sure until the end until the last season. Like Robin Wood is kind of the first black main character. Yeah. We get Mister Trick in season three, who I love. I love K. Todd Freeman, but yeah, he's wonderful. Um, but those are like the only main characters of color that I can think of off the top of my head. That is true. Um, and that's a problem. However, everything you said, I think, still stands. It's a it's a flawed show. If it were made now, it would probably be look a little different. Um, things would be a little different, but it, it is truly unique and it and it has touched the lives and probably saved the lives of a lot of people. And that's an amazing thing. So on that note, we love you. We love you so much. We're going to cheers. cheers our empty glasses of wine because they fell over. <laughs> well, they, they do sound nice. They do. Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Scherzarko with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Scherzarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, 
thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.